I just have to say that it is pretty thrilling to be together in this sanctuary. So please join with me in prayer. <laughs> Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Open our minds, open our hearts for what you have for us this day. Amen. As soon as I read the Philippians passage, I got agitated. I was irritated. I was frustrated. I went over the story again and again. Paul is in prison, and he has written a letter to the folks at the church at Philippi. And upon reading the letter, two women are called out, Yodia and Sintichi. Named, and from my 2021 perspective, possibly shamed, in front of the whole community and asked by Paul to have the same mind in the Lord. I have gone through more commentaries on this text than I have any text I have ever preached. I have dug out Pauline scholars. I wanted some insights, some knowledge about this conflict because I'm well aware that women often have trouble being heard and taken seriously. I wanted to know if it was a conflict over a different viewpoints, did they have different teaching styles, what were their personal stories, and being part of the Roman imperial power, their fathers would have had power over them even if they were married. They lived in a culture where men told women who they were. We know that they had found more freedom in the house churches that they served than in the dominant culture. So, did someone from the church make a trip to see Paul in prison in order to report the women? We know that Euodia and Sintichi were named by Paul as co-workers. But I want to know if anyone sat down and listened to the two of them and enabled their voices to be heard. Might they have been women who sought to be in good trouble, to quote John Lewis. And I thought about Jesus with the woman at the well, who he lovingly invited to live authentic life. There was no shaming by Jesus, no holding her up. I thought about the women at the empty tomb who ran to tell the disciples and who were ignored. And then I flashed on the memory of my mother taking me aside after Ken and I had told our parents that we were moving to the Bay Area so I could attend seminary. She made it clear that the Bible taught, according to Paul, that women were not to be teachers over men. Therefore, my parents never attended my graduation or heard me preach in any church I served. Seminary, however, taught me the importance of understanding how texts were written and that not all texts attributed to Paul were written by him. After I quit trying to find writings from scholars that could help me deal with my struggles over Euodia and Sintichi, I realized what I always get to with a text, and that is the fact that we are always invited into the story. 
And I suspect that if Paul were living in our culture today, that he might have handled his relationship with these women differently. It was a reminder that it is often challenging to delve into a text and to discover what spirit has for us. As I have reflected on this past year, I can appreciate Paul's sense of prison isolation being confined to our homes and losing the ability to navigate life as per usual was rather shocking. I've never cooked so many meals in a row in my life. Many of us had to scramble to set up a home office, figure out how to support our kids with online school. Our next door neighbor quit her job as a dental hygienist in order to care for her baby and her three older children because she knew that they needed help with online school. Our isolation got compounded with fires, ice storms, and the endless daily news replaying the political wars that have deeply divided our nation. We spent days watching the George Floyd trial. Many of us experienced being stuck, depressed, and sometimes unable to fully function in our newly closed off way of life. And I learned that these close quarters for extended periods of time can contribute to my becoming just a bit snarky. <laughs> Those political divides often hit the hardest with family members who viewed the state of our nation from a very different lens than our own. I have found myself deeply challenged as I have been reading the history of racism and being jarred into reality of what I'm being invited to view differently in order for change to occur in my own life. After all, <clears throat> this was taking place while we were anxiously in the waiting for vaccine. <coughs> to be developed. And then we waited for our turn to get inoculated. And now we listen each day to the numbers, <coughs> excuse me, to the numbers who are filling our hospitals with the COVID variant. I have great appreciation for the Trailblazers player Yusuf Nurkic of Bosnia who wanted to buy vaccine to take back to his own country. He was so frustrated with the number of Americans who didn't want it. In some odd ways, like the folks in our text, we became a house church. Every week, setting up our computer on our coffee table and determining if we want to be seen or not in our own little computer box, we relied on staff and worship leaders to keep us focused on our Sunday morning worship. And just as the Philippi House Church struggled to keep their faith alive and relevant to the dailiness of life, so we have struggled. We have struggled to find meaning. We have struggled to be relevant for a congregation that has held its theology close through singing together this season of isolation has been tough. The truth is 
that right and wrong are complicated. I have great appreciation for the transitions that took place in Paul's thinking and theology throughout his life, but sometimes I find that I must seek out Jesus' teachings in order to be clear about who I am being called to follow. Dolores Williams, a womanist scholar who wrote Sisters in the Wilderness, writes about the role of the Bible during slavery, saying, black people use the Bible to put primary emphasis upon God's response to the community situations of pain and bondage. She writes about how women must claim their experience, which has for so long been submerged by the overlay of oppressive patriarchal cultural forms. She points out that claiming experience is to name it. She tells the Old Testament story of the slave girl, Hagar, who was banished to the desert while pregnant with Abram's child. She writes that Paul's response to the story of Hagar is to see her as an outsider, whereas God's response to Hagar's story was to provide Hagar and her son Ishmael with presence and safety to achieve quality of life. As writer Williams reminds us, even today, most of Hagar's situation is congruent with many African-American women's predicament of poverty, sexual and economic exploitation, and domestic violence. Many black women have testified that God helped them make a way out of no way. The Apostle Paul was well aware of the power of community, and that is one of the reasons that the church in Philippi kept connected with him. We know about communities of faith. We know that it's so imperative that we love and care for our neighbors, but it is challenging work, and sometimes it gets messy. We have a, a wide variety of opinions. The fourth chapter of Philippians offers us teachings regarding the habits of the heart that we need to have embedded in us in order to be a supportive community. So hear these words again from Philippians. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The reality is we need communities of faith in order to have models or mentors of faith, reminders of faith. We need the words from others to encourage us, empower us, and sometimes carry our faith for us when we're in a tough lonely, dark spot. I loved the Sunday morning when we had a view of the van with members of our church headed to Paradise, California. Remember? 
We watched them as they were traveling, and I appreciated the reports of those who shoveled gravel and helped with foundations to help families who had lost their homes in fires. As I so often become discouraged and frustrated as I watch the news, I need a community of faith that seeks to offer a response. I need those folks who are concerned for what is needed in our community and who come to us and invite us to get involved like the Family Promise Family Shelter. I appreciate the incredible number of COVID Chronicle stories and the Food Connection blog. I loved listening to young Jonah Harder describe his recipe for double chocolate crumble bars. <laughs> these, these offer us ways to hear the stories of others as we begin the transition, the major transition of coming back together again. It's a vulnerable time. It takes a bit of courage to step out and determine how we will again be involved face to face. If we have health issues, it becomes even more challenging as to how to renew our involvement. And every parent has to determine what is safe for their own children. I just finished reading Parker Palmer's latest book titled On the Brink of Everything, Grace, Gravity, and Getting Old. Having attended many retreats with this wise Quaker leader, I believe he has influenced generations of re readers and retreatants to get in touch with their own spirit in order to live an authentic life. One of Palmer's great gifts in structuring retreats is around listening to one another. He is a master teacher who invites students and retreatants into small groups where there is space to tell one's story, and then there is silence before only being allowed to ask open-ended questions. There is freedom to respond or not to respond. And I've never left one of those retreats without feeling like I have been renewed and that I've been heard. The foundation of church wasn't a creed that followers were expected to read and then prick their finger and press blood on the document. No. The challenge was to have faith. Jesus called out to everyday folks, everyday men and women, folks that were introverts, folks that were extroverts, all of them with varying gifts and abilities, and all were called to join together in a new community following the way of Jesus. In the midst of challenges, differences of opinions, there is a longing for friendship, isn't there? There is joy and sorrow and plenty of messiness, and there's the great gift of humor 
and being able to laugh together. Isn't that just one of the greatest gifts? We have to be reminded to listen to one another and love in our differences. In this commitment, we long to develop the habits of the heart that enable us to be our best selves. Jesus taught us to begin with our heart so that we know the truth and the truth will make us free. We're invited to speak our truth in love. It's all about relationships woven together with God and our neighbors. And so the bottom line is, we need God and we need each other. Amen. <laughs>